I want to speak about managing conflict well. Managing conflict well this morning. And so I'll just start with uh, 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8. And it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. What an interesting thing to put at the end of love. It's trying to paint the importance of love and that other things are temporal, but love endures through and beyond all these things. So I want to speak about navigating challenging, uh, navigating conflict well. How many have been involved in conflict at some time in your life? Just one or two? Okay, I thought there might have been more, but that's all right, that's all right. I've never experienced, so I don't have no idea what I'm talking about this morning. 15 years in the police, never touched it once, you know, never knew about it, never saw it, heard it might exist on the other side of the world, but just never, you know. But I think it's something that we can all relate to. And, uh, you know, we constantly, whether we like it, we constantly have conflict with uh, misunderstandings or not, whatnot with people uh, that range from very small to quite big. Sometimes they're just in friendship groups, but sometimes uh, they can be in our family settings and you will probably all either um, know of or maybe have experienced a family that has a big rift and brothers aren't talking to sisters or brothers aren't talking to brothers or uncles aren't talking to nieces or nephews or whatever. And it causes a lot of stress. And there's been a lot of research done about it. And I'll just read out this. It says, research is showing that relationship conflict can negatively affect your health. For example, researchers at Portland State University Institute on Aging studied more than uh, 650 adults over a two-year period. The researchers found that the stable negative social exchanges, in other words, repetitive or prolonged conflict, were significantly associated with lower self-rated health, greater functional limitations, and a higher number of health conditions. These findings impact several health factors, but one key takeaway seems to be that stress can weaken your immune system. Exposure to conflict can make you more success, uh, susceptible to infectious illnesses like cold and the flu. And I would suggest maybe that includes COVID, but we don't have COVID in New Zealand, so that's good. Some people can also experience chronic pain related to stress such as headaches and back and neck pain. It says if your stress levels are not managed, it can put you at increased risk for developing stress-increased 
uh, influence psychological and mental health conditions such as acne, eyes straight ahead, anxiety disorders, burnout, depression, diabetes, digestive issues such as diarrhoea, constipation and ulcers. Are we feeling better? Is this good? Outstanding, eh? Hair loss, heart disease, hyper, um, hyperthyroidism, insomnia, obesity, sexual dysfunction, tooth and gum disease. I thought, wow, that's interesting. Tooth and gum disease. Someone might be able to fill me in on that. I'm suspecting it might be from the acid, body kind of acids and breakdown in body or something. So there it is. Conflict is not good. If you, if you didn't get it from the Bible, you, you can understand it from this, that conflict is not good. But that's only that. What does the Bible say about conflict? And so the, the Bible is always a good way, a good place to look in that. And in Proverbs 15, it says this. It says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And I, th- I thought, I wonder why they put the last verse there about perversiveness in that. So I looked up the definition. And perversiveness is deliberate and stubborn unruliness, resistance to guidance or discipline, contrary, perversity, fractitiousness, unruliness, willfulness, trait of being disobedient, and lack of discipline. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? You know, a tongue that's not guided with wisdom, a tongue that basically is driven by rebellion and kind of negative emotions like that can cause a lot of damage. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity. Brothers and sisters live in unity. It is like precious oil poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's bed, down upon the collars of his robes, the oil of it. Um, and what it's painting there is a picture of beautiful, fragrant oil. So when we, when we live in, in harmony with one another, it's like a beautiful oil. Now, we don't really get that today because of our culture, because we don't... We don't um, kind of real look at oil I, I look at oil and I see olive oil in the fridge for cooking with um, but here it's talking about beautiful expensive oil that it was really something quite precious in that and that's what they're comparing it to and it kind of got me to thinking about oil and the oil in the Bible is the oil of anointing it's the oil of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking, when we navigate conflict, we really do need the Holy Spirit, don't we? I don't know about you, but when I get into conflict in myself, I'm really good at getting into conflict. 
But when I get into conflict in God and I use his principles and his ideas and, let, and spend time in the Holy Spirit, when I'm, when I'm in conflict, it gets me out of trouble. So I get me into trouble. He gets me out of trouble. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 28. He said, you've heard that it was said by people long ago, you must not murder anyone. That's a good idea. Anyone who commits murder will be judged. But I tell you, don't be angry with anyone. If you are angry with others, you will be judged. And if you insult someone, you will be judged by the high court. And if you call someone a fool, you will be in danger of, of the hell of fire. Fire of hell, sorry. So what if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that someone has something against you? Jesus says, leave your gift there and go and make peace with that person. Then come and offer your gift. He goes on. If anyone wants to take you to court, make friends with them quickly. Try to do it before the court. If you don't, they might find you, hand you over to a judge, and the judge will hand you over to a guard who will throw you in jail. So basically, Jesus is saying that it's good to act early and make peace before situations get out of hand and we have no control over being able to bring them back into um, a decent solution. So I love this. Jesus said amazing stuff. And everything that Jesus said sat on principles that were important. And one of the principles that Jesus said constantly and constantly and constantly was basically treat others as you would have them treat you. Treat others as you would have them treat you. And when we look at this and we realize that people are precious to God and God actually values people and the way we treat people actually tells, you know, says a lot about us, it's important, isn't it? So I've thought about some thoughts around conflict because we can all have conflict and it's good to constantly be looking at things. And the first thought I've got is dialogue over deride. Dialogue over deride. What do I mean by that? Because that makes no sense at all. What I mean is learn to talk rather than learning to insult the other person. Learning seeking to understand instead of slugging it out. Asking questions over making assumptions. One I remember one discussion I had with someone, it looked like on the face of it we disagreed on some doctrine. And as I was chatting with the person, I was asking more and more questions, and I realised as we went on talking that we actually basically believed the same thing, but we were just coming at it from different angles. Now, I could have jumped in early and started just going, you know, hammer and tong, arguing my point. But we were actually on very much the same page. It wasn't an absolute. It was just, do you know what I mean by that? I mean, it's not an absolute black or white. It's only opinion. It's only personal preference. For example, murdering is wrong. 
But the colour of the carpet doesn't matter. We, it can be, it, God doesn't have a favourite colour of the carpet. It could be blue, it could be pink, it could be apricot. I'm glad it's not. But it could be. It's just a flavour. The music being louder or quieter, the lights being lower or, or brighter, it's all just flavour, it's all just preferences that we have. I don't think God sits down and says, oh, they're using a red light. I don't know about that one. God doesn't care. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in, in what we believe that we need to really ask, is this worth my energy and the fact that I'm going to you know, argue with someone over it, or should I just let it go? And often... It's, you should just let it go. Well, that's what I feel about me often is just, you know, like the penguin guy, just smile and wave, boys, smile and wave, just let it pass by. Not worth it. Proverbs 15 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word turns up, stirs up anger. I've already read that, but I do want to keep Coming back, just reminding us of these. Second point, journey over destination. Journey over destination. When you get angry, you've lost. The thing I realise is that quite often we can get so perplexed about being right. In other words, getting to the destination that we forget that it's actually about, often, about the journey that we go through is actually more important. The relationship that we have with the person is more important. The way we value the person, regardless of what they think and I think, is actually more important often than the issue. The fact that we can love each other is more important than who's right or wrong often. Now again, often I'm not talking about right and wrongs, uh, like absolute black and whites. But I've got a friend, we disagree on black and white. You know, some, some of the big absolute stuff. But he knows that I still love him. But we don't argue about that because he knows where I stand without me having to state it. And I know where he stands. And so what we've decided is we will be friends and we will love each other regardless. And we have a great relationship. And he's a very dear friend to me. But we don't agree. But it doesn't, you know. I'll let God figure it out later on. He's more than capable to judge. He's a much, going to be a much better judge than I will ever be. So I shouldn't step in the place of judgment. I should just love him. Needing to be right or win an argument often isn't that important. In fact, it's often a sign of character flaws within ourselves the need to be right all the time, the, the need to not be able to let stuff go. Mature people, people that are quite secure, can let stuff go. We're quite emotionally rounded, and so we, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. It, it doesn't matter. Third point, relationship over right. A lot of these kind of Although I'm saying next point, next point, you can see they actually blur into each other. So they're all, all kind of over each other anyway. Overarching, you might say. The minute you start point scoring, you've lost. 
what you're pursuing can be right, but the methods we take can be wrong. I've seen Christians argue, and, and I agreed with their point, but I've seen them in the process of wanting to win the argument actually do it in a deceitful way. Point scoring, little tricks to bait the person and get them to trip over. and it, It's actually deceptive behaviour. It's not worth it. It's not worth the time. You can always agree to disagree, and I've put this down as a tactical withdrawal. We can always agree to disagree, and we both win. We can call it a draw, and we can love each other. We need to find ways to compromise sometimes. And I love Miss Piggy because she has found a way to compromise. Her effective dieting with her love of food, she found the perfect compromise. You never eat more than you can lift. (laughs) Number four, people over problems. People are valuable to God. People are valuable to God, as I've already said. And God wants us to impact people in ways that, that cause us to have deeper relationships with the people, but also bring people closer to God. And so the way we treat other people actually builds them up and reinforces God things in their lives and that. So one of the things I realise is when I'm talking to someone, I can actually, when I'm encouraging people and telling them, you know, that they're good at something, and I'm not just, I'm not talking about just inflating people's egos for the sake of it, but I'm talking about being genuine, like find, noticing things about people that they're good at and highlighting them. It actually makes them feel good, and it actually reinforces who they are and who they're meant to be, the way God has designed them to be. And that is good. In an argument or a discussion or a difficulty, we should always aim to finish well. And really, based on what I've said, we really shouldn't be trying to have arguments. So although I say argument, I'm not endorsing the fact that we get into an argument. Sometimes you don't have a choice. I didn't wake up in the morning when I was in the police and say, ah, I'm going to have 15 arguments with people today. It's going to be really great. I can't wait. No, you get sent to jobs and there's people there that just, you know, they've drunk too much, they're on drugs, whatever, and you don't have a choice. You have to, you have to deal with that scenario and you try and negotiate um, and you try and work your way through. But sometimes there's no option um, because they don't, they're more in, uh, focused on the argument than the resolution. Before I joined the police, I had to go out and do so many hours um, with police to observe and make sure that I was crazy enough to want to join still. And I spent time with this uh, police officer who uh, I worked with for a few weeks and then I worked with after I joined in that and I really I really grew to respect him. He was hilarious to work with. His uh, name was Craig Sheridan, uh, but his nickname was René. René. Because he looked just like René, if you know, hello, hello. Uh, he looked like René. 
And he could talk just, and he had that glint in his eye, and he had a little moustache, just like Rene. He could have stepped in as a double. But Rene had been a used car salesman, and one thing he had learned was the gift of the gab, and he could really talk to people really well. And I watched him um, one night um, and just sat in on, uh, on an interview where uh, some young guys had been uh, caught um, trying to steal petrol. And they weren't caught in circumstances that was, there was enough to charge them, so they were being questioned about it. And, and Rene um, questioned this uh, boy, I still remember his name, his name was Damien. And uh, he questioned him, and, and then he went away, and they compared notes with other police to see what evidence they had, and he came back and said, look, I believe you. He didn't. He knew he'd been trying to steal petrol, but there wasn't enough evidence. But he said... I believe you. I don't think you're a bad guy, Damien. You know, and he spent five minutes building rapport with him and just being nice to him and chatting uh, before he released him. And when he had finished, he said, he said, I always do that with people. When I finish whatever I'm dealing with, I always spend time and build rapport with them and always make sure I let, finish on a really good note. Because in a couple of months I might be at a party and there's a fight and I might be outnumbered and I might be getting on the ground getting beaten and he might be the one that can actually step in and say, hey, leave him alone. He said, you never know what scenario is coming up ahead. Always think ahead and finish well. And I thought, that's a really, really intelligent kind of way to look at things. So uh, I've kind of tried to grab little pockets of that and, and build it into my life as well, um, part of the learning. And so I share that so it can become part of your learning. Um, last one, number five, worship over war. This is probably the best one. Get into God's presence. Worship over war. We had uh, Musicians Combined meeting on Thursday night and Bruce sent me an email the next day. And one comment that he said at the end of the email, which I loved, he said, um, worship is our weapon. And he was talking from our worship um, band perspective and that, but he said, worship is our weapon. And I thought, wow, that's cool. Worship is our weapon. And I shared it with Gina, and she said, wow, that's cool. So I knew it was cool, and it was cool. Good point, Bruce. It's cool. No, it really is cool. I was very impressed, and, uh, and it's so true. I found when I get my nose out of joint, with pe when I'm having dealings with people, that when I get into the presence of God, and I just sit, and I just let the Holy Spirit just be over me, he breaks that down. And I get all these solutions that I would never think of, and it doesn't include punching them in the nose or anything like that. You know, No, it's wonderful stuff. It's about how to bless them and, and how to respond in, in a great way. But it comes through the Holy Spirit. And so one of the, my best strategy that I've learned is actually to get into God's presence every day, regularly. And, and bring, especially bring these situations to him and how do I get, how do I move through the situation in a way that we both win? So there's a few thoughts for you. 
maybe you have some situations that you can apply some of this stuff to. Maybe it stirred up some stuff. If you want prayer, we're available at the end to pray as other elders and your life group leaders to chat to. It's good to talk through. Sometimes good to talk through, and I didn't put that down as a point, but if you're going through stuff, it's good to talk to people and get really good counsel from wise people. Some people go off and get counsel from their peers, but they're not necessarily wise people. So if you're going to do that, make sure they're wise people. Make sure the people that actually know what they're talking about uh, won't send you up the creek without a paddle, as it were. And I just want to finish with this from uh, John Maxwell, leadership guru. He tells a story. It says, a family who had moved to a new neighbourhood got a late start one morning. And as a result, their six-year-old missed her school bus. Though it would make the dad late for work, he agreed to take her to school if she could give him the directions. They left their neighbourhood and the girl, our young girl began directing her father to take one turn after another. Following 20 minutes of um, crazy driving, they arrived at the school, which turned out to be only eight blocks away. Steaming, the father asked the kindergartner why she had driven him all over the place when the school was so close to home. We went the way the school bus goes, she said. That's the only way I know. Sometimes we have to ask God for a fresh way to go. And I leave you with that thought. Have a great week. Take God out there. Don't keep him a secret.